Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. I thought we'd spend a little time in the north of Africa today and talk a little bit about Libya. Uh, quite a bit of different stuff is going on there. We've got uh, the Ottoman Empire involved, uh, <laughs> along with uh, with the UN. W- what's the situation in Libya right now, Jim? Uh, well, basically, my last update was recently, and the uh, the war for Tripoli is still going on. That's the last stronghold of the uh, of the UN uh, GNA government which never really worked. Uh, The basic problem is that uh, the UN and many Western countries have classified Hiftar as an incipient Gaddafi. Now, Hiftar is an interesting guy. He used to be an officer in the Libyan army. Uh, Anyway, he got into a dispute with Gaddafi. And uh, and Hiftar, you know, basically got out before you know Gaddafi could you know have him silenced forever. Uh, he he basically worked for the CIA for a while. He spent twenty years. He's an American citizen. Well, anyway, the I pointed out that you know any accusations that he wants to be another Gaddafi are kind of weird because he's seventy five years old, and he's never indicated any interest in running the country. He's he's official and and day-to-day job is the head of the Libyan National Army, which he basically put together five years ago when he returned uh, and realized that, you know, the country was uh, was basically uh, coming apart uh, with all these militias and what have you. And he was he was really upset about the, uh, you know, the Islamic uh the Islamic militias and Islamic terrorist militias. I mean, there's basically a lot of religion-based militias, but most of them are basically thugs. Uh, the ones that are local tend to be, you know, self-defense who basically turn into thugs, semi-thugs. You know how it goes. Um, and uh, so Gaddafi, basically, he's from, I guess he's from eastern uh, Libya, Benghazi. He started there. And he was effective. I mean, he was methodical. He had a military background. Uh, he didn't basically, he basically took care of his troops. And bit by bit, he suppressed the uh, first the Islamic terrorists. And then the, he started working on all the various independent militias. Some of them are tribal. Uh, some of them are local. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of them down in the in the southern border area, Niger and, and Chad and what have you, Sudan, uh, which are basically arguing over who should control the smuggling operations down there. Um, and uh, he was mainly just interested in, in returning, you know, law and order. Which is what he's done. That's why he's been so popular. The Berbers support him. There's Berbers. The Berbers are a big chunk of the population. Uh, and a lot of them south of uh, 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 Tripoli, which is why he's been so strong in that area. That's why he came up from the south, because he's got a base of support down there. Uh, the Berbers just want what the Kurds want. They want a little you know, autonomy. They don't want a separate country, but they just basically want a little respect, which Gaddafi never gave him. Gaddafi's uh, main uh, tool for uh, running the country was uh, basically working one group off against another. 
so if he saw one group is too strong and there was another one was willing to make a deal, he put them in charge, back them with the military, and basically create a long-term feud because the guys that were on the losing end had to basically, you know, suck it up for, you know, as long as Gaddafi was in control, which was several decades. And uh, once he was free, people were looking for revenge. They were looking for their piece of the action. Corruption is off the scale. They're one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Uh, the UN basically looked for somebody who was uh, willing to uh, go through the motions of setting up a, a democratic government. They'd already had elections. They 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 had they elected the House of Representatives, as it's called. Uh, but then the UN came in and said, "All right, you're not you're not basically to our taste. So we're going to set up a new one." Uh, they appointed they basically backed some local politicians, and they set up the GNA. But the GNA never took. And the House of Representatives government, the last elected government, they basically moved off to Tobruk, where they are now basically ruling most of the country through the Libyan National Army, which is technically subordinate to the House of Representatives. Basically, uh, that's technical because uh, Hiftar basically runs his own uh, foreign policy. He doesn't interfere with government administration as long as it's reasonably you know, uh, honest, uh, and doesn't basically upset the apple cart. So, like I say, it's popularity. He's been popular. He comes into an area. He sets. A, he basically suppresses the banditry, the 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 uh, the the uber thuggish malicious and what have you. He will co-opt them. He will basically say, "You can join me or fight me," uh, and uh, most of them decide to join. Uh, he sends in officers. He basically recruits people for the regular army units, but a lot of a lot of his troops are basically militias, which are reasonably loyal. But most of those militias are basically local, and he leaves them local. He says, "Look, you take care of your area. I'll send in support if needed." And he's been doing that. But he finally, and that's why he didn't go after Tobruk. I mean, the GNA thought, well, he's going to immediately make a run for the capital. But no, he's a professional military guy. You know, uh, he's more concerned with logistics and long-term planning. Well, he finally got, you know, uh, he's, he controls all the oil facilities. He controls the oil export points. He basically cooperates with the GNA, which the, through the UN, they control the Libyan National Bank, or at least most of it, and the National Oil Company, which basically works for Hiftar, but they, they're, they're basically a, a creature of the UN and the GNA. So it's a complicated situation there. Uh, and Hiftar, when he started to go after Tripoli, it was believed that he'd be able to get in there pretty quick because the militias were fighting each other. When they weren't, you know, fighting, you know, uniting to fight someone else, which is rare. Um, and so he thought he'd take advantage of that. And lo and behold, who should come to the rescue of the, uh, the militias defending the, uh, the, the Tripoli and the GNA? But Turkey, sort of out of nowhere. Actually, the Turks have been accused of running guns to the militias in the past because the Turks support militias that are Islamic, uh, sort of uh, Islamic Brotherhood Islamic. In other words, not Islamic terrorists. Turks, as far as we can tell, never supported ISIL, uh, Islamic State, in, 
uh, in Libya. Uh, Islamic State was finally put down with American air support, heavy air support, two years ago uh, in Sitri, which they tried to set up as a as a as a capital. Uh, Hiftar hadn't reached Sitri yet, so he said, "All right, you guys want to do it? Go ahead, knock yourselves out." Uh, and while they were, they they spent like oh, almost a year uh, taking down Sitri. And then Hiftar basically has been fighting ISIL remnants in the south ever since. He's been basically handling them. Uh, and so as a, as a result of all that, uh, Libya is no longer a friendly place for ISIL, which is good, despite whoever did it. But the Tripoli problem is, 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 a, is a difficult situation because as long as Tripoli and the GNA hold out, there's no united Libya. And plus the fact that the GNA controls technically the uh, you know the major financial institutions. Uh, I mean, Hiftar has set up a, a, a independent branch of the of the national bank in Benghazi. He controls the oil, but he can't legally uh, profit from the exports unless he works through the the UN controlled or UN recognized you know uh, national oil company and bank. So he's obviously shown his, his willingness to cooperate, but the last stumbling block is the return of the Turks, who were tossed out over a century ago. The Italians did that, I believe. Um, but the basic problem is, let's get down to the, the nuts and bolts. Libya has never been a country. It's one of those, not many, but there's several of them, Somalia, you know, Afghanistan. You, most of the real uh, troublesome trouble spots are areas that, never really coalesced as a nation-state in the past. The colonial government did it. The Turks sort of did it. But the Turks basically ruled Libya as two separate uh, provinces, you know, the Benghazi province and the Tripoli province. And they paid no attention to what was going on in the interior because until the oil was discovered after World War II, there was no there there. There were a few people, and there was certainly no money. Uh, the, uh, the oil... Basically, finance a, a a monarchy, which the uh, which the Italians after World War II that was set up and left behind. That didn't last long. Gaddafi was an army officer. He staged a coup, and he basically stayed in power, you know, for over 40 years. Uh, not obviously ruling well because there was constant, you know, uprisings uh, on, you know, uh, people who were trying to turn against him. No, yeah, Hiftar. Um, but he basically had control until Arab Spring came along. Uh, neighboring Tunisia was where the Arab Spring started. It's the one up- uprising that was successful. They, they're still holding elections and running their government, uh, despite all the Islamic terrorists they've had to deal with. Um, and uh, Hiftar has the has the backing of uh, not the Turks, obviously, but the United Arab Republics and Egypt. Now, Egypt supports Hiftar mainly because uh, Hiftar shut down the border. In other words, he he, he basically stopped the border from being a uh, free, uh, you know, Islamic terrorist free operating zone. Uh, they were running guns into Egypt. They were running terrorists back and forth. He basically established a border guard and he he basically uh, closed the border. Uh, so the Egyptians are into him for that. But it's the UAEs that's supporting the air support, Chinese, uh, you know, uh, predatory equivalents uh, with uh, missiles. Uh, the Turks came in with their own homemade uh, UAVs. 
which are not as effective as the Chinese ones, but they've been using them extensively. They've taken heavy losses. They keep shipping in additional ones. The UN sort of ignores all these weapons shipments from the Turks. But what the Turks moved in that was most useful was the um, uh, the military advisors, uh, because the basically the uh, the GNA had no. How should I put it? Military expertise. They had all these militias, which basically did what they what did what you wanted when they felt like it, which wasn't very often. Uh, they were involved in the smuggling, that's in, especially people smuggling, um, and uh, whatever else they could do to, to earn a buck. Uh, the um, the Turks are in a difficult situation because they are helping a UN-approved government, so the UN is sort of. You know, how should I put it? Handling this with, you know, kid gloves. I mean, they're not cracking down on the Turks. Um, and even now with the, the fighting in Tripoli, uh, which is, which by Arab standards is pretty, you know, uh, sedate. Uh, Hiftar has been methodically advancing. When, when the Turks moved in and he started running up against resistance, as well as uh, some obviously uh, well-organized, you know, uh, counterattacks supervised by the Turks, by the militias, he realized that, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm not near peer at this point. I'm not finding another army, but I'm finding one that has the, the help of another army. I mean, he would respect the Turks in that respect, but he's not giving up. And therein lies the run. Most Libyans back Hiftar. In other words, if they had their druthers, they'd rather have Hiftar than whatever the UN has conjured up. They're sort of Frankenstein monster of a, of a national government, uh, which isn't viable and is being kept alive on health support, which was going to disappear until the Turks showed up. So uh, at the moment, in my last couple of updates, I've reported that you know the, the offensive, which started in April, made great strides initially. Uh, Hiftars shut down uh, both the, the the airports around. There's no international airport around Tripoli. You got to go by ground to Misrata, which is another uh, uh, nest, as it were, of uh, militias. Uh, but Misrata is smaller. If Tripoli falls, Misrata is not going to be that big of a problem. Uh, it will be a problem, but I mean, it won't be as much of a hassle as uh, as Tripoli. Uh, so the problem here is the Turks. Uh, Hiftar is still basically grinding along. The Turks haven't been able to stop him. They've been able to slow him down. Uh, but this is just going to grind on. He's not losing a lot of troops, which is how he keeps his army together. Uh, the Amnesty International and the various other, you know, uh, uh, how should I put it, groups that accuse anybody who kills anybody as a war criminal uh, are making a lot of noise. But, you know, it's, it, Libya has always been a low-casualty war. Uh, it's not been a bloodbath like Syria. Uh, a, there's there's not as many people as there are in uh, in Syria. There's no Assad's. Uh, Russians ironically backed uh, Hiftar, but they they, they sent him equipment and uh, and and some advisors. Uh, but it's a sort of a hand arm's length. They just want to earn the goodwill of Hiftar because they feel he's going to end up on top. And whoever succeeds him, the the, uh, the House of Representatives government will be looking for somebody they can work with to help rebuild. Uh, you know, Libya has the money. Russia needs the work. You know how that works. Uh, there's no Chinese involvement. It's basically just Russia, the Arabs versus the UN and the Turks. Uh 
it's an odd place. It's in an odd situation, but it's slowly coming to an end. Austin? Well, uh, Jim's giving you a, a, a detailed rundown on what's been going on in uh, Libya since uh, uh, 2011 and who the, the uh, <laughs> pizza pie of uh, players the GNA, uh, Dan, is is a, a an absolute mess. And that's the, as Jim described, the UN-backed government and the uh, government that uh, you said the return of the Ottoman Empire. It's the Erdogan Empire. I mean, Erdogan <laughs> is the. I, I just thought of that, but that's really what it is. Um, it, I'll, I'll speak to the return Turkey's involvement with it. Uh, uh, LNA. Jim kicked off his uh, discussion by saying that uh, Hiftar is an interesting character. Uh, well, uh, well, he is. Uh, the room man has it that he's a CIA operative. Uh, he doesn't behave like much like a, a CIA operative. He was a CIA uh, asset because he he was an anti-Gaddafi. Um, a Libyan army officer who had who fled and then ultimately was in exile in the United States and and uh, given uh, Gaddafi's troublemaking in the 70s, 80s, uh, and into the 90s, even after the end of the Cold War, when uh, having Russian backing wasn't uh, a uh, ace card, uh, we we paid attention to. Uh, any uh, senior diplomat or military officer who who uh, rebelled against Gaddafi and uh, Heftar just had to have more uh, more on the ball than than uh, than most. Also, seemed to be more competent uh, than most. Now, I'm going to make a, a a couple of geographic uh, comments here. Uh, Jim mentioned that the GNA holds uh, Tripoli, also you know, and and Misrata. Uh, last I read, they also had some uh, militias uh, loyal to them in CERT, which is uh, uh, yeah. I so yeah. I think I'm right on that. But no, you're right. But CERT right. is still basically controlled by uh, conflicting you know militias that are fighting each other. And and it, it, one of the other things, Jim had this in a recent uh, Libya update that, that he did, too. Uh, remember AFRICOM, that's us. Yeah. We're still active uh, in there, even though we're not doing uh, uh, aircraft, manned aircraft airstrikes. We're still looking to pick off ISIL slash ISIS uh, remnants that fled CERT. And it, it's, who knows where they went? They probably went south to try to find a... Uh, uh, an oasis. Uh, good luck to them fleeing south. They're going to run into either desert, uh, and if they get uh, and Berbers who don't like them at all. Uh, that's the uh, there's the, the ethnic component there as well as the Berber disgust with uh, radical uh, Arab Muslim terrorists. Uh, that's uh, they'll either round them up or they'll they'll never be heard from uh, again. Or more likely, the Berbers give Africom targeting advice. When uh, they see one of these guys uh, move through, so there's that's another war that's in this mix of wars that uh, uh, Jim described. Search's um, <clears throat> an interesting town. That is where Gaddafi was from, uh, and uh, the GNA. Uh, one of the things that uh, the House of Representatives over in Tobruk uh, says in their uh, their press releases, their their propaganda is that G GNA is a Still tied to to uh, to Gaddafi, 
that's quite a stretch, but there's enough uh, emotional appeal to it that it uh, that it, uh, it, uh, it adds to the fact that the House of Representatives really was uh, elected. Whether the election was clean by our standards, it was uh, <laughs> it was the best election, one of the two best elections Libya had had uh, since uh, Gaddafi took power. Over, I think it was King Idris was the, the yeah. fellow he, he, uh, um, he uh, toppled. So you've got the, the situation where the East, Cyrenaica, Benghazi, is, has taken over Tripolitania with the exception of the capital, Tripoli, and Turkey intervenes to stop this offensive that uh, Heftar and the Libyan National Army, uh, as Jim said, it began in April. It was quite effective. It was coordinated. It looked to me, and I'm, I said looked to me, I mean, I'm re- uh, relying on open source uh, material just like uh, Jim is, but also uh, military uh, uh, and his common sense and <clears throat> historical understanding of the situation, that it was uh, coordinated with uh, LNA's uh, mm, supporters to the point that uh, that you, you, they were, you were getting an intelligence on where GNA forces were, United States, France, who knows. Uh, and uh, he also was very effective, as Jim said, in turning some of these independent militias knock off their bandits and say, okay, you're a local defense force, and, and if some of you are you're better soldiers, I'll, I'll recruit you. Otherwise, uh, stay put, and I'll support you. A very intelligent way for a revolutionary, because he is a, a revolutionary uh, a military commander, to conduct an offensive, to move. He didn't move all of his forces from the east. He already had forces in the west. But then again, coalesce, and you can see them. Uh, really, they had two main axes uh, of advance uh, uh, on Tripoli before Turkey intervenes. Now, Jim said Turkey uh, ruled uh, Libya. They would call it Tripolitania, uh, using the, the, the West, but it really was – It was uh, actually they had uh, <clears throat> several – uh, sub uh, sub uh, districts within it, but it's primarily they were using a Roman map, Cyrenaica, Cyrene, if Simon of Cyrene in uh, in the New Testament uh, carries Christ's cross was a Greek from that from that uh, uh, city in the east, and Tripolitania, three cities, that was the western uh, Roman uh, 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 province. There was another administrative area, and this is carried on somewhat in contemporary Libya. It's down in the south and southwest, and um, the, the name of it uh, is uh, escaping me now. I think it starts with an F, but think of it as, as Berber territory, and, and, you're, and you're right. Uh, when uh, the revolt against Gaddafi uh, took place, French special forces moved in there with, uh, with the Berbers, Remember, the French are operating with uh, Berber kin in, uh, uh, in, in the West, uh, fighting uh, Islam- Islamic extremists. And in some cases, some of the Tuareg, who are or Berber, Berber people uh, as well, who are in rebellion against the Mali government, aside here, 
uh, I think we discussed this at one. The, 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 the Berbers have some legitimate disagreements with that uh, uh, Mali government. But French special forces came in in 2011 and started supplying was essentially a, 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 a Berber insurgency in south, uh, southwestern um, Libya. As Jim said, this was a country that never cohered. And part of it is, is that so there was no there there in, in, the, in the south till oil was discovered. Really, the only there is along that coastline, which is where the when the Muslim Arab uh, uh, invasion followed right along the coast, picking up all the cities, Tobruk, uh, Benghazi, Sirte, Misrata, and finally, uh, 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 finally Tripoli. That's what you could control if you had a navy. And Italy in 1911 has eyes on it becoming a, a colonial power. The Ottoman Empire is rotten. So in September, I think it was, of 1911, uh, Italy attacks. And Italy can grab the coastal cities. It's got a modern navy, and the Turks, Ottoman Empire has no navy. But very few cases could the Turks move more than 20 kilometers outside of the ports and outside of the ports uh, along the Mediterranean, because when they did, they ran into logistical problems and uh, ran into uh, Senussi tribesmen uh, mounted on uh, horses and camels, and also a very thin veneer of Turkish troops that uh, many officers leading uh, leading some of these uh, uh, Arab auxiliaries. They couldn't they couldn't uh, uh, couldn't get out and and get at the uh, get, get at the resistance, which is uh, uh, out in the desert. One reason Tripoli right now, now here gets back to the geographic point, has not been taken is that the Turks and the UN can supply those forces in uh, in Turkey. Uh, I mean, in in in, in Tripoli with uh, you know, sufficient uh, weapons and uh, uh, food to uh, sustain them uh, sustain themselves and. Turkey's been supplying this. Uh, Jim wrote this up uh, a couple of weeks ago in, in a Libya update. Some armed drones that uh, I don't know who's operating them. Jim may know. It may be, it may be Turk operators. They're not that difficult uh, for uh, some of the uh, Libyans and the GNA to uh, operate. So they've got got their own uh, 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 air force. There, there, are, there are a number of, as Jim in that update also went into the, a discussion of surface-to-air missiles that both sides have the capability of, of, uh, of, of putting up a, an air defense uh, envelope. And around Tripoli, it's, uh, it would be fairly dense compared to, I mean, the defensive systems that the GNA had. So you, you're presenting the LNA with uh, a uh, tactical and operational problem. The strategic problem is something else, and Jim touched on that. The strategic problem is, is the LNA is f and uh, the House of Representatives are far more popular, even in this disparate—I call it a pizza pie—a uh, uh, country. Part of it is, is they see a Heftar and the House of Representatives as far more legitimate than this foreign entity, the GNA foreign entity, United Nations. Jim touched on the fact that. <laughs> that Libyans across the board don't like Turks. 
Turks were their imperialists. Remember that. The Italians replaced them from 1912 to uh, 1943. Uh, <clears throat> 1943, uh, another army moved through, in that case, British Eighth Army chasing Rommel. But the, uh, the, that, was, that was it. The uh, Ottomans were something else. They controlled the, uh, the area for uh, only two and a half centuries. So they're, they're, they're not liked. Um, Erdogan, I don't know if it's gotten to the point that they uh, are, are, uh, see him as an inimical uh, personality, but I think some of what he sees out of the GNA is supporting the GNA is first of all, he, he gets to align himself with the UN, at least nominally. And second, Turkey gets to act on an independent, uh, independent policy uh, axis, which is something that he, that appeals to uh, his sense of uh, destiny, the importance of himself and the importance of Turkey as a, uh, an independent power. Uh, but if he thinks if it seems confusing within Libya, he aligns himself against Russia and France, who support the Libyan National Army. I wrote a column several months ago where I said if you look at at some of the other pieces in play in, with the Libyan National Army and House of Representatives, essentially the United States is a quasi ally of the Libyan National Army. We, we claim that we're, we haven't chosen sides. But again, if you look at what AFRICOM is, uh, is, is doing vis-a-vis the uh, 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 ISIL, uh, if you look at the, uh, some of the rhetorical, uh, uh, political, diplomatic support, and also with the uh, U.S., uh, uh, support for, uh, I forget the term that I've seen used for this, but free shipment, protected shipment of oil out of the, uh, out of the ports. We, uh, that's something that's in everyone's interest to the point, as Jim pointed out, there's this curious uh, agreement between the LNA and GNA that there, there's a, supposed to be a sharing of, of uh, oil revenue uh, uh, royalties. I'm not quite sure how that's administered, Jim. You may know, but I think the UN does have a finger in that. But there's also uh, several other uh, uh, European countries and, and the United States have had said that uh, we support this as a as a as a path to peace and as a a way to uh, keep uh, Libya afloat. Libya, both Libyas, uh, uh, somewhat afloat. Uh, economically. Uh, where does this go? I think Jim uh, hinted at it. I see an LNA victory, but I've seen an LNA victory really for the uh, last couple of years, given the fact of just w- the amount of ground they control and the fact that uh, the uh, several several key cities and again, the uh, Berbers uh, uh, support what the House, the House of Representatives, and the Libyan uh, Libyan National Army. At some point, there's going to be a negotiated uh, a negotiated end to it. I don't know that that would lead to a complete end to the civil war because uh, there are going to be a number of uh, GNA survivors you know, that are 
because of some of the crimes they committed are not going to be welcomed, uh, are allowed to stay, at least stay alive in, in, uh, in Libya. So I'm not going to put a time frame on that, but sometime I'd say within the, I'm about to do it anyway, next 12 to 18 months. Jim, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, the, uh, the Hiftar was actually sitting down and talking with Siraj, the, the head of the, uh, the GNA government, and they were trying to work out a deal. But what basically made a deal difficult or impossible was the fact that the, uh, too many of the militias in Tripoli uh, did not want a Hiftar government because they knew the Hiftar, a Hiftar-dominated government would not tolerate what the militias were doing, which was basically no, running their own protection rackets and, you know, doing whatever the hell they wanted. They're going to prosecute some of them and prosecute them from, with a gun barrel. I mean, that's there's there's some blood in the water with with some of the crimes that those guys have committed. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's uh, that's there's that's the kind of thing that isn't going to be solved by negotiation. That's uh those guys are going to have. Well, they, like I said, they tried, but the basically basic stumbling block was all the militias. Uh, they are basically the constituency of the GNA, uh, and some of the a lot of those militias, the Islamic ones, don't believe democracy is Islamic and and is forbidden. That was a that was a stumbling block from day one, and the rest of the country said, "Look, we'll give it a shot," but the uh, the Islamic militias. Uh, again, not Islamic terrorists uh, so much, but just religious. Uh, they have basically uh, said no. Now, what kind of government they want is probably something along a, a Muslim Brotherhood religious dictatorship, but that never works out. They tried it in Egypt. They've, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't work. But, but basically, uh, if you're playing the Amor Islamic Tendal game, uh, there's no compromise. Uh, and that's what Siraj has been up against. Uh, and the U.N. refuses to, to basically confront that. Uh, they basically just don't want to have their, their, their pet project, you know, fail. Because they tried several other times to get things going, a uh, government going in, uh, in Libya. And it constantly failed. And nobody, for, for whatever reason, nobody wants to admit that it's the independent militias. It's not just in Tripoli, but also in, this, in Misrata, to a lesser extent in Serb. Uh, in the coastal cities where most of the people and money are, uh, that are the difficulty. And until you basically put them down by negotiation or force, you're not going to have United Libya and you're not going to have peace. Uh, and, you know, people just don't like to, the UN in particular doesn't, doesn't want to confront that. The UAE and the Egyptians, most, most Arab countries, you know, recognize that. They say, look, this is, this is, you know, North Africa. This is the Maghreb. This is Arabia, uh, so to speak. Uh, and that's the way things work. But the UN, they have a different playbook that doesn't, how should I put it, doesn't allow for that sort of, you know, uh, talk. So there we are. Uh, the UN uh, was willing to follow Siraj if he made a deal with Hiftar. But again, it was the militias. So it's always the militias. Uh, Hiftar is the only guy, only, only force in Libya that can basically neutralize militias. 
and that's the last thing the militias in the in the two uh, major cities uh, still under uh, GNA control, Misrata and uh, Tripoli. And Tripoli is by far the larger cities. All other cities along the coast are, are relatively small, except for Benghazi. Uh, and Benghazi has long been, you know, the the base for. Um, uh, uh, Hiftar. In fact, Hiftar made his reputation in Benghazi. That was that place was basically just, you know, uh, littered with the, you know various Islamic terrorist groups as well as Islamic militias, and uh, Hiftar got the cooperation of some of the local tribes who were willing to try anything as long as it basically uh, suppressed the the independence of the first the Islamic terrorist groups. Al Qaeda related and 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 also Islamic State after uh, by 2014, um, and uh, it works for them. I mean, they're going along with it. They're, you'll always have a problem of tribalism. The tribes in the south are particularly, you know, touchy about their, uh, you know, their independence, as it were. But you know, uh, Hiftar is a Libyan. He knows how that works. You know, you make deals. Um, but the uh, the problem is that the the uh, the Islamic militias in uh, Misrata and uh, Tripoli are not willing to make a deal unless it's an Islamic deal, and that's that's a no starter for the rest of Libya. So there's the there's the uh, there's the the conflict. There's where the uh, uh, the you know the 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 how should I put it the in, in, irresolvable you know conflicts are, and uh, you know I think. Hiftar believes if he can get into Tripoli and basically control the center of the city and then and, and spread out. I mean, he's done this before. They didn't Benghazi. One by one, he can suppress the militias because they will not cooperate that much with each other. But it all comes down to the, you know, they control this neighborhood, they control that neighborhood, da 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 da. And, uh, and I think the militias realize that. The Turks came in and they, they advised them and said, look, if you, you, you do this and you do that, you'll be a little more successful. And that's improved their defense somewhat, but not enough, because basically uh, Hiftar has more support uh, you know, among Libyans, and, uh, and he, he's got the numbers. Um, and uh, he's, he's also got everything else. The U.N. might suddenly flip, which would be embarrassing because they, you know, they're very – uh, diplomatic, as it were, uh, and they don't want to they, to flip. They, they have to admit they made a lot of mistakes, but they've been making mistakes all along in in Libya, and that's the problem. Uh, so everybody's got to basically put aside their their pride, as it were, and do something for the good of Libya. And turning over Libya to a bunch of militias is not doing anything for Libya, and that's what that's why most Libyans, you know, back you know Hiftar. What comes after Hiftar, who knows? Because like I say, Libya has never been a you know a, a unified state. And as Austin points out, until quite recently, until the discovery of oil, there was no real interest in the interior. Um, uh, and, and the Europeans, as far as they're concerned, they want to stop the illegal migration. You know, it, it, it goes back to what, you know, the North African city-states have been famous for, infamous for, for, for hundreds of years, piracy. You know, and that's why, you know, France took Algeria out. Uh, and the, the Marine Corps, him, mentions, you know, to the shores of Tripoli, uh, it was all about pirates. Um, and they finally suppressed the pirates in the 19th century. But now you have these basically you know, this city-state mentality, and you still have the religion problem uh, with the uh, you know with the the Islamic uh, political militias. 
so there you go. There's never been a Libya. There may never be a Libya. If there is any chance for a unified Libya, it's going to be under someone like the House of Representatives, you know, uh, with Hiftar doing the heavy lifting. But he's not going to last much longer. I mean, he's already had some health problems. Uh, you know, that's why I say he's definitely not head a- angling to be another Gaddafi. Gaddafi started when he was a young man. Um, uh, and Hiftar has never indicated that. And like I say, he's, he lived in, in America for 20 years. Uh, and he's uh, he basically, uh, he knows how a democracy works. Uh, he's a fairly, he's a well-educated man. He gets along with the Europeans. He gets along with the Russians. Um, and uh, he's willing to deal but you can't deal with the religious fanatics. And that's the one thing he's absolutely against. Well, let me let me add, add something else to that, uh, Dan. Egypt, Tunisia, and Algeria are absolutely against any kind of religious government arising uh, in Libya. Uh, uh, t- uh, I'm talking about an is- Islamic, Islamic religious uh, government, one that's militantly... Uh, uh, militantly uh, Islamic. Egypt had its experience with the Muslim Brotherhood dictatorship. Tunisia has emerging as the special case where their Muslim party, the Anada party, turns over power to uh, uh, a uh, center uh, uh, liberal coalition, liberal in the British sense. And Algeria has had it completely with uh, religious fanatics. And those are the "Quote unquote Arab countries on either side of uh, uh, of Libya. One other thing that, and Jim touched on this early on, the uh, LNA and House of Representatives have lines of supply coming out of Egypt as well, and that includes, uh, besides military, diplomatic, and political support from the Al Sisi government. So there's a ton of international diplomatic power on the side uh, uh, of the LNA." Uh, one thing that uh, I, I, you, you know what I think about the Erdogan and the Turks on this, the insertion, and this is me coming up with a scenario that I have no basis in fact on, but it's also when, when Jim said that uh, the uh, UN could flip on the GNA, Erdogan could flip on the GNA and come in and say, look, you see how Turkey gets along. Uh, we're a, a moderate Islamist government. Uh, this is what you need, the approach you need to take now and make a deal with the uh, LNA. And then he gets to portray himself as a, as a big peacemaker. I just made that up, Dan. But that's one of, of a factor that could go in with a, with a flip that also allows the UN to, to save some face. You look at all of the, of the support elements, diplomatic, political, uh, military, really economically uh, as well, and the House of Representatives and LNA, uh, Heftar have uh, have uh, have the power right now. Uh, I don't I don't see it getting getting less. Uh, as Jim said, the, these uh, militias that support the GNA, many of them hate one another. And the example, a good example, would be the biggest militia in Misrata. The biggest militia in Misrata is is Islamic. It's not Islamic terrorists. It's Islamic. It was anti-Gaddafi. They put up a hell of a fight against uh, uh, against Gaddafi that is recognized throughout the rest of, uh, of of Libya. Gaddafi's forces could never drive them out. They had to circle around Misrata when they launched their uh, offenses, off- offensives in, uh, uh, into the east. 
Last thing I'll say, too, Jim mentioned that about all these little pirate cities. Cert is interesting for a lot of reasons. It was a pirate city. I told you that's where Gaddafi was from. Uh, according to what I read when I was researching um, my uh, biography on uh, Kemal Ataturk and also the uh, uh, Turco-Italian War of 1911-1912, which is when I Italy invaded, is that Cert was one of the last places, one of the last where old Punic, you know, the Phoenician language was actually spoken until fourth century AD. Now, I'm not sure all of the uh, orthography and philologists that would, would come up with that, but it was operating as an independent city state. And it had been a Phoenician city, a Phoenician city. And that would be what, uh, Jim, about 600, uh, about six centuries after uh, Carthage fell. Yes. Uh, <laughs> It's it's kind of a crazy place. You can't you can't get into the future because you can't get out of the past. So, well, we'll end things there, and uh, we'll watch what happens over the next few months, and we'll probably be talking about them again. Uh, thanks very much, and we'll see you next time. Take care, Take care. guys. Bye. Bye.